0: Welcome to a special presentation of Behind the Page, where we at Marvel vs. Marvel revisit the comic book histories of some of your favourite Marvel characters. If you're joining us for the first time, each and every episode of MVM is packed with this kind of history and trivia as we explore the Marvel movies and the comic books that inspired them. This is going to be the definitive, the definitive take on on the symbiote and on Venom. The whole thing, the, the three episodes, we're going to cover this iconic change in in the costume. Will and and it, it, the symbiote and Venom. It all really starts with. I mean, this is the first time I can think of this happening in anything we've ever looked at. It doesn't start with a comic book writer Or a comic book artist This starts with a comic book fan A young comic book fan Named Randy Shuller From Norwich, Illinois Ooh. In the 70s and 80s Marvel Comics would organise Open submission competitions Where readers Members of the public Could send in uh, ideas for stories Or draw designs for new characters Send them into Marvel And if Marvel liked them, they'd use them They'd buy them off you Randy Shuller came up with a story Where Spider-Man Would gain new powers And a new costume So it was not a Marvel Staff member, writer Artist or anything Who created this story and design It was just a reader A fan, a Spider-Man fan Wow Randy spoke about this in interviews and we've got some of that He says, I thought it would be cool if Spidey needed an upgrade to his powers and his look So I came up with the idea that Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four Had made a new costume for Spidey Using the same unstable molecules that the Fantastic Four costumes are made of They would flow onto Pete's paws and allow him to cling to walls better I think my original idea was to increase his sticking power by 25 percent, or something like that. I saw the new suit as a stealth version of the original costume, jet black so he could blend in with shadows. At best, all you could see of him was a blood-red spider emblem and blaze on his chest. Yes, in my design, the spider was red, not white. I also gave him underarm webbing Like in the original Ditko design Um, I stole an idea from Iron Man and I made his new Web shooters work Using the same cybernetic technology That Tony Stark used to create his armour So Pete would just have to mentally Imagine the kind of web He needed to shoot and the suit Would do it for him Keep in mind this was 25 years Before Civil War And the Iron Spider-Man suit (laughs) Ah yes a few months after submitting the story To the competition I received a letter from Jim Shooter Marvel editor in chief The top guy The top dude <laughs> uh, The letter said he liked the idea And wanted to buy it from me For $220 I was thrilled But the best part They offered me a chance to write the story I ended up submitting a second version And even had a follow up phone call Or two with Tom DeFalco to the script, discuss the script Wow, me on the phone With a real live Marvel editor I still cannot believe this happened <laughs> In the end, the whole scripting thing Didn't work out for me I don't remember the exact reasons I submitted another version of the story, they didn't like it And that was kind of the end of it The whole thing just fell apart Regardless, I have no regrets As a true Blue Spidey fan This was a very cool moment in my life Oh. So for $220 Marvel editor-in-chief Jim Shooter Purchases the rights to this story This idea, this redesign of Spider-Man And then he puts it in a desk drawer And then two years later Toy company Mattel gets scared about (laughs) He-Man And this becomes very important This sounds like a tangent, but it's not 1984, He-Man And the Masters of the Universe are at the peak Of their popularity, right Thanks to the cartoon series He-Man's the hottest toy in the shops Mattel are making money hand over fist But peaks Always lead to troughs And Mattel's Mm. toy company rival Kenner, who used to make the Star Wars toys Yeah Kenner have just signed a big deal with DC Comics To produce a line of toys Based on Superman Batman and the Justice League So 83, 84, Mattel Fear that He-Man may have Had his day And that superheroes are set to be the next Big thing in action figures And if they are, then their biggest Rival is going to have this Superman, Batman, Justice League line And where are they going to be? Trying to milk more out of He-Man Which may be over So Mattel go to Marvel Comics To put together a deal to rival Kenner and DC Anyone who's seen the awesome Netflix series The Toys That Made Us They'll know that you can't just release A new line of of toys and action figures That will fail, right? Because, Because of the way countries like America Regulate and restrict how you can advertise toys to children Toy companies... Need to tie their action figures into something like a movie or a TV show to act as product placements. So things Mm. like G.I. Joe and He-Man are successful because they have popular cartoon shows that kids love and that act basically as a 30-minute advert. The show ends, and watch your kid. I want to play with the He-Man. I want to play with Snake Eyes. I want to play with. They go and watch Star Wars. I want to play with Darth Vader, right? So Mattel goes to Marvel Comics to set up a deal to create a new line of toys, but only if Marvel stage a comic book event that will create a lot of attention. Mm. One big story with all the popular heroes and villains in it for the toy line. And that is the birth of the superhero crossover event. That is the reason... We have the Infinity Saga and Thanos in the MCU. Ah, that moment, that deal, Mattel getting scared about He Man <laughs> is the reason. Listen, think about this thread Mattel getting scared about He Man is the reason we have the Infinity Saga in the MCU because this event that they did proved to be so popular, made so much money that Marvel and DC Comics would do big crossover events. Again and again and again And that led to The Infinity Gauntlet So Mattel Had done market research With kids and and they found That kids said The two words that kids liked to to Hear most in a name Was war (laughs) and secrets. So Jim Shooter Named the series Secret Wars (laughs) Pretty simple right Mattel had some other requirements for the series. Uh, They had to, because of the price points, right? Mattel needed to make big, pricey toys and vehicles and playsets. Think of He-Man. Think of every He-Man character has got a big plastic vehicle. There's the every every the good guys have a big playset base. The bad guys have a big playset base, a castle, all that kind of stuff. So Secret Wars, the Marvel comic Has to feature uh, The toy line has to feature A range of these So the, the comic book series has to feature Vehicles for superheroes And a series of bases and headquarters Essentially This becomes Marvel Comics Doing the version of He-Man yeah, There we go All of the characters get teleported to this like Desolate, bleak, desert world <laughs> They all get Alien vehicles (laughs) The bad guys get a series of different Castles and bases The good guys get a series of castles and bases It's wild man Mattel had all these other things They they needed Marvel to introduce um, Some new female characters So Marvel creates A brand new version Of Spider-Woman for the series And this new version of Spider-Woman Wears a jet black costume With a big white spider on the front Exactly like that thing I just showed you of, uh, of Pete's new costume Then Jim Shooter Pitched this idea to Mattel What if we take the most famous character In the series, Spider-Man And give him a brand new costume Mattel loved that idea because that meant they could sell Two different versions of the toy Original costume Spidey And brand new costume Spidey And kids would want to have both So it's a marketing decision <laughs> <laughs> All of what we're about to look at Is a marketing decision Jim Shooter dusts off that story That, that concept that he bought From Randy Shuller In 1982 He makes some tweaks to the series Because obviously now it's got to take place In the middle of Secret Wars Not not at home with the Fantastic Four And he has superstar artist The guy that drew um, Secret Wars Mike Zek tweak the design The biggest um, Costume tweak being That the red spider Becomes a white spider Uh. Mimicking the costume Of the brand new Spider woman that they just Introduced Secret Wars Becomes the biggest selling comic Book of the last 25 years <laughs> It is a Monster success it ran The storyline is a year long It's 12 full issues which Never happened never happened in, in comic books at the time It's issue 8 that features this Brand new black and white Spider-Man costume Marvel had teased it um, in, in, in trade publications For a while beforehand Um, And people had got really excited Or at least really interested about it Now by 1985 Spidey has ditched the alien costume Mm. But he's not returned to the classic red and blue This is a really important thing So costume changes and and, and redesigns Happen quite a lot these days in superhero comics Mainly because this one worked so well everyone's done it from batman to superman every character has done it but they never really last maybe a few issues you know maybe maybe 10 or 12 issues like a year black and white spidey suit is so iconic and so gorgeous in its simple design you know you know the power of simple designs yes. you know the 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 most iconic logos in the world are simple they're not cluttered they're not overcomplicated to compare the 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 original spider-man costume which is gorgeous it's got a lot going on yeah this is jet black with that white thing it's so iconic and popular um that it stays with spider-man for the rest of the decade he he starts wearing a black and white costume Made from regular clothing, and he stays like that for the most of the eighties. And then, in nineteen eighty-eight, three years after the um, the alien costume has been got rid of, the the costume returns with a brand new host, and that's the birth of Venom. Right the, there, we go. This saga is one of the most famous, most beloved. Most iconic storylines in Spider-Man history Mainly because Not mainly because but a big part of it Is the amazing job they do Three years later With a brand new creative team Of weaving This new character Venom Into this iconic storyline Normally when you try to do that It's a limp sequel that sucks (laughs) They do it so Well The birth of Venom is so good And tying back into this It's perfect Um, And uh, Both Black Costume Spidey and Venom Featuring tons of merchandise Practically every Spider-Man video game From 1990 onwards And in 1994 It's recreated in The Spider-Man animated series Which at the time was The highest rated and most popular Children's television show in America. Oh yes, I remember. Um, and they do a three-episode story arc on the black costume, and then on Venom. Uh, who do you think does the voice of Venom? Ron Perlman. Hank Azaria. What? I knew you'd like that. I knew you'd like that. Hank, Azaria. Yeah, Hank Azaria. Oh, fantastic! Does the voice of Eddie Brock and Venom in there in that? What Simpsons character does he sound like? Don't think I mean I I don't think I didn't spot it sound like any of them. My personal, ah. you might have a different opinion. Um, and so that brings us on on the full journey of the symbiote, and, and takes us up to where we are now. And again, I will reiterate: if you can hear what sounds like rifle fire in the background, <laughs> <laughs> it's bonfire night and there's things exploding all over the place. But it's relatively safe around here. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favorite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind the page, behind the scenes and comic book Marvel history.